I greet you in the ancient greeting of the church. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so good to see all of you. My goodness, y'all going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm so glad. And to those that are watching online, so delighted to be with you all this Father's Day weekend and certainly give honor to the Lord and to my beloved friend and my pastor and brother, Pastor Lance Hahn, and to all the wonderful pastors. Can we thank the Lord for all of our leadership here, all of our elders, our pastors, and the staff. Praise God. We're so grateful. Will you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to be before your beloved. Would you now give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text. Help your servant to share in such a way that even a child will be able to understand the powerful truth and revelation that is given through the text. And Lord, as always, you know I'll do nothing but give you all of the honor, all of the praise, and all the adoration. It belongs to you. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, everyone shout amen. amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to open your Bibles, uh, you that are watching and you that are here, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And we are continuing our series that uh, we have been embarked upon by our pastors led us in and the pastors have been guiding us in what it means to be connected to the church, what it means to be connected to the body. I think with all that is happening, all that is taking place, both with uh, the COVID-19 and certainly the events of our nation and even the world, it is so imperative that we bring affirmation to why we are connected. We're grateful that we're able to come, those that are here, and we're grateful for those that are watching. We, we are able to maintain connectivity. But our connectivity is not merely embraced by just our gathering or by our watching through the technological advances that have been given to us through uh, television or online or watching on our computer, however we, we may be watching. Our connectivity is that which Christ has established in the Spirit. That even when I'm not with you, even when you don't see me and I don't see you, we are connected. We are part of the body of Christ. But with that comes this understanding that we have been given a calling and a purpose. And part of that calling is that we take the message of the kingdom even into the next generations. For you see, beloved, I believe if the Lord tarries and he uh, stays from coming back Whenever he plans to come back, I know he's coming back soon. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but I believe he's yet coming. And he's coming again soon. But until he comes, we must occupy until he comes. There's a work that God has given us to do. And I believe that it is tied to specifically raising up a generation that knows our God. We see here in Psalm 78... And verse 5, and I'm just going to read through verse 7. You follow along with me. God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers 
Notice here, he commanded our fathers, not to exclude the mothers, but there was a particular mandate that was given to the fathers or the fathers of the, the house or the fathers of the city or the fathers of the community. Notice here, he says, he gave this command to our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the what? The commandments of God. The children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God. Why are they to know the commands? Why are they to know the word? So that they might know and set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Notice that the calling upon the people of God was clearly to speak into the life of another generation, even as to suggest that as we speak God's commands and speak God's word, that even children that are unborn are impacted by the words that come from our hearts come from our mouth. I remember as a new father with a young son who was just a little baby taking him and uh, he could not even really probably, I'm sure, comprehend what was going on, but my, my wife and I took him to a nursing home where there was an elder woman who was about 102. And we walked in there, she was a woman of God, a woman of faith. A woman who stood in the things of God, and God used her greatly to prophetically declare his word into the lives of others. And I grew up knowing this woman. We called her Aunt Johnny. She was not a biological relative, but out of respect to her, we referred to her as Aunt Johnny. And I remember going into the nursing home and holding this little month-old baby in our hands and, and putting him into her hands and watching her take this little month old and holding him up as the elders would do and lifting him up and, and declaring, God, this child shall be a child who will be used of God. Much like my own parents had done with me. That they didn't merely just take pictures of the baby when the baby was born, but they first and foremost spoke the word over us. Prophetically declaring God's word to me and now to my son. For you see, dear hearts, there's something powerful when the people of God carry forth and decree and declare God's word, even in the midst of whatever is going on around us. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word does not change. His word is from everlasting to everlasting and to everlasting. So then, what is it that we teach our children? What is it that we're to teach the next generation? What is it with this fathering spirit that God has given to the body of Christ, to the church, that we are to impart into others? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're blessed that our pastors have walked us through 
The beginning of Ephesians, beginning in Ephesians chapter one, they walked us through understanding that Jesus is the preeminence of all things. He is the head of the church. He is the one who rules. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. What is it that we teach the next generation? We teach them that indeed Jesus is preeminent. That beside him there is no other. There is but one God. Only one. And that he himself, Jesus, is the manifestation, the manifestation of the Godhead, that we look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. But then our pastors also took us into Ephesians chapter 2, and boldly, I might add, boldly, I might add, they presented to us that God has put his church together to be radically inclusive, to be a radically inclusive community of believers, which means that we are made up of all different ethnicities and cultures and hues, that when we come into this place, so when we speak of being a part of the fellowship of the body of Christ, that we ought to be the ones to declare without hesitance that there's neither Greek nor Jew male nor female, black, white, yellow, or red, that Jesus has brought his body together. There's but one race, and that is the human race. Many ethnicities, many cultures. But even in acknowledging that there's but one race, it does not afford us the opportunity to step back and say, well, I see no color. Because you see, if you state that you see no color, it is to be void of the understanding that God has given us these unique hues and experiences and cultures that must be acknowledged because he's created them. He's created them. There's a reason God has made me a black man. He wanted y'all to see what handsome looks like. There's a reason that God makes us different and distinct so that when we come together, there is an array of God's beauty and God's glory that is revealed. That's why we must be connected. That's why I must be connected to you and you must be connected to me. That's why I cannot afford to say I'm part of a black church and you're part of a white church or you're part of this church or that church. I must understand that God has given you to me and given me to you. So what do we teach our children? We teach our children that God has put together a radically inclusive community of believers. Then Pastor Paul Tome did a powerful job on last week in stating to us how Paul himself, the apostle, explained his specific role as a spiritual architect within the plan of God's mystery. What was God's mystery, the fact that God has chosen both Gentile and Jew and brought them together as one to form the church. It was a mystery and God takes a man by the apostle, by the name of the apostle Paul or by the name of Paul who is an apostle and he takes him and raises him up to bring revelation to that which was hidden from generation to generation to generation. And now Paul in chapter 3 speaks out beginning in verse 1, decreeing 
to another generation. He says, let me show you. Let me speak to you. Let me tell you how God, let me give you my credentials. Let me give you the prerequisites of how I can speak these things. Because remember, Pastor Paul brought this out to us, is that God uh, used Paul to be first and foremost an administrator, then a servant, and then a proclaimer, a, a preacher of the word, and then an illuminator, one who brought light where there was darkness, who brought knowledge where there was no understanding. How powerful it is that he lays this out for us. And then in verse 10, in that same chapter of chapter three, in verse 10, we find that uh, God has given the church, the body of Christ, a particular role. There's a reason he's brought the Jew and the Gentile together. So that our ministry upon the earth our ministry upon the earth is that that represents the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the ears of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, that wherever we go, we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how powerful that is. But not that we would just say that we are here upon the earth and merely going forth just like everyone else, but also, beloved, he has given us both an earthly responsibility and a spiritual responsibility. For you see, there are lots of believers, lots of Christians, lots of people who call themselves men and women of God who will just settle for going to church and sitting in a seat or just watching online and folding their arms and crossing their legs and rolling their eyes. There are lots of people who will just sit back and think, I'm just a part and I'm, I'm on the membership roll and I give my little offering from here and from time to time. I might even pray with you if I feel like it. They, they think that's the, the, the whole aspect of what God has called us to do. But I, I give correction today that God has also given us a spiritual responsibility for you see, beloved, the battle that we are fighting today, the battle that we contend with today as stated in Ephesians 6 and 12 is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there, make no mistake, there's a wrestling match that is going on. But we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil that are in heavenly places. Before it manifests upon the earth, it is manifested in the spirit realm. By the time we see it here, it's been around in the spirit realm for a while. And God says, because of your connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, I have seated you, church, in heavenly places. I have seated you, not merely to observe, but to rule and to reign with Christ. And in ruling and reigning with Christ, it calls upon us speak to another generation that with that comes authority, spiritual authority that arrests the powers of darkness that come against the city, that come against our nation, that come against our families, that come against the families of people whom we love and whom we care for, that we need not just sit back and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. No, but we would rise up and take the authority that God has given us and that we would declare God's word. Oh, bless his name. Well, you see, I was sharing with someone the other day 
and they were talking to me, and bless their heart, I, I, I know they were doing their best to, to try to understand what's going on in our country, and they were trying their best to try to understand me and try to understand my experiences and try to understand why I'm so passionate about certain things. And then they, they, they made the number one, number one statement that I had to jump on. I tell them all the time, don't come for me unless I ask for you. And they, they jumped on it and they said, but, but Parnell, I am not a racist. I'm not a racist. And I said, dear heart, I, that's not even the problem. I understand that you are not a racist, but you just cannot sit in complacency. I need you to speak against racism. For your silence, your silence is of issue. I don't, I understand you're not a racist. I've known you a while, but I need voices that will rise up and take the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and say in the name of Jesus we dismantle hatred. We dismantle in the spirit realm division. We dismantle in the spirit realm everything that comes to cause families and neighborhoods and communities to be separated. We, we come in the spirit realm and pull down every stronghold that separates our churches and the body of Christ. We pull down every stronghold. So you can't fight this with your flesh and blood. It's not going to work with your politics. It's not going to work with all the things that we try to do. You don't have enough money that can take care of this problem. You don't have enough. Come on. You don't have enough education that can take all of this. But you do have enough Holy Spirit that is able to do what is necessary, church, for our nation to be healed. Oh, bless his name. So the church is not only called to an earthly role, but we have a heavenly role. I like what Pastor Paul said last week. We are operating in the graduate school of the angels. The angels are trying to figure this out. How can God take all of these different folks? How can God take all of these people of every social economic background? How can God take all of these people who have different ethnicities and cultures? How can God take all of these people? The angels are sitting here looking at you with their mouth gaping open, trying to figure out how can God take them with all of their mistakes and failures and all of their sin and mess up? How can God take them and use them? for his glory. Ah, uh, that's why we can sing a song that even the angels can't sing. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We've been washed in the blood of the Lord, hallelujah. That every time the adversary looks at us, he's got to go through the blood. Say amen, somebody. The blood of Jesus that covers me, that covers my failures, that covers my sin, that covers my mess-ups, that covers all of my brokenness, that covers all of my weaknesses. The blood of Jesus, we are the redeemed of the Lord. So again, we have an earthly and a heavenly realm. And then verse 13, the Apostle Paul concludes his testimony by affirming this fact. He says, as you see me going through what I'm going through, don't feel sorry for me because it's for your glory. 
Would that be powerful if that was the testimony of not just the Apostle Paul, but everyone who would name the name of the Lord, every believer, that we would say everything that I am suffering, everything that I'm going through, it's not about me, but it's so that God's glory would be revealed and somebody else would be set free. Somebody else would be healed. Could, could it be, children, that as we go through this COVID-19, as uncomfortable as it has been these last three months, and we don't like this, we don't like wearing a mask, we don't like having to stay home, we don't like having to go and be six feet apart, we don't like not being able to hug each other and embrace each other. There's a whole lot of things that we don't like. But could it be that God says, I want to teach you all how to sacrifice now? And do something now that later, later, if, if you don't give up, if you don't be weary in well-doing, you will reap if you don't faint. Could it be that God says this suffering, or what you may be perceiving as suffering, it's only for a little while, but you got to hang in there. Can't let anything discourage you. Uh, the old saints used to say when I was a child growing up, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. That there will be a reckoning where God gets in and he gets involved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where God gets into the situation, even when we feel that we don't know what to do and we feel forsaken and we feel like we're struggling. Isn't it powerful to know that he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will be with you. Well, Paul does something after he states these things in the first 13 verses. I want to just read it to you very quickly, beginning in verse 14. Let's pick it up there and notice what he says here in verse 14. Notice what he does. He prays. He says, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before, catch this, the Father, the Heavenly Father, the one who is the Father of all. I bow my knees before the Father, whom from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. They all belong to him. The poor man, the rich man, the white man, the yellow man, the red man, the, the black woman, the, 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 the red woman. They, they all, the, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Church of Christ, the Church of God in Christ, Assembly of God, the Assembly of God. Church of God, Tennessee. Church of God everywhere. Church of God worldwide. Southern Baptists, North American Baptists, Progressive Baptists, they all belong to him. He says, I bow my knee to the one who is the father of us all. How powerful it is, beloved. Notice how he states this. He says, I bow my knee, I'm praying for you. And the whole family is named by the Father, that according to the riches, verse 16, of his glory, he may grant to you to be, uh, that according to his riches and glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He says, this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that for the task that is set before you, church, that you won't go in your own strength and your own ability. Bridgeway, I'm praying for you that you don't try to fight this in your own abilities. 
Don't get caught up in all that you think you may have. But I pray that God, just like Paul prayed, that God will strengthen you by his Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will dwell in you in such a way that whatever you need when you need it, you'll be able to step out and be the vessel of God. That's the prayer. He says, I pray that you be strengthened with the power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may have strength, I love this, that you may have strength, why do you need it? So that you can comprehend with all the saints, not your lonesome, listen, that you may comprehend with all the saints, not you, the Lone Ranger trying to figure it out, that you may comprehend with all the saints. You ain't in this by yourself. That you may comprehend with all the saints. That's why you need me and I need you. That you may comprehend with all the saints. Because if I try to do this in my own mind, in my own strength, I have no one else to listen to but myself. And I will talk crazy to myself and begin to tell myself that there's no hope, there's no help, there's no strength, there's no peace. But if I got another brother and sister in whom I'm connected to, they can tell me, hold on, baby, everything's going to be all right. They can speak to me and say, don't give up now. God's got his hand on you. They can tell me, don't worry about it. This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. They can tell me. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise, let it continually be in your mouth. See, I need to be around other believers. I need to hear other believers. Even if I'm online, I need to comment somebody. I need to text somebody and tell me, even though I'm not in the same building with you, we are connected into the body. God's getting ready to do something. Be filled with the spirit of the living God. How powerful. I got to close. I got to close. He says that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. That's why I must be connected. That's why I need you, brothers. That's why I need you, sisters. That is the message that I am to carry to another generation. You can't do this by yourself. We need one another. We need each other. Come on, look at somebody and say, we, I need you and you need me. Don't look at me, tell them, I need you. Look at somebody in your house, tell them, I need you. Even though you're tired of being sheltered in with them, come on, tell them anyway you need them. Hallelujah. We are connected in the body of Christ. That's why I love what it says over in Romans 5. Let me just read this to you. It's a powerful verse of scripture that I believe affirms this. He says in Ephesians 5, therefore, since we have been, verse 1, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in what? The hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in our suffering. The only way you can rejoice in your suffering is that you got to comprehend what God has done. You got to comprehend what God is doing. 
You've got to comprehend the resources that God has put at your disposal. People who don't comprehend what God has put inside of you, you will go through suffering and you will complain and you will gripe and you will be frustrated and you'll be sad and you'll be mad. But there are some of us that have found out that our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. And notice here, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering Suffering, I love this. Suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, I love this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. His Holy Spirit. That's why we, we, we want to be filled with the Spirit every day. One baptism, but many fillings. Every day you ought to get up and say, Lord, fill me again with your Spirit. Fill me again with your power. Fill me again with your anointing, oh God. When I get ready to go to work this week, God, let your Holy Spirit not only be upon me, but let him flow through me. When I get the call, when I get the text from a person that's struggling through all of this, Lord, don't let it be the words of my mouth that speak, but let it be the Holy Spirit that hears the heart of God and speaks to those that are in need. It's the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts. And we close in the last verse in verse 20. Listen to what Paul says. I love this. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power of God that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Notice, throughout all generations, forever and ever. I close with this thought. Picture paints a thousand words. Years ago, I was in this church and somebody handed me a Jamba Juice card. I'm holding it in my hand right here. I haven't had that Jamba Juice card in, in my possession almost three years. They had, watch this, they had not purchased it. Someone else purchased it and gave it to them. And they saw me knowing that I like Jamba Juice, and they bought it for me and gave it to me, rather, after receiving it as a gift, a free gift to them. And they passed it on to me. So I went to Jamba Juice, been going to Jamba Juice a long time, y'all. The last three years, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Jamba Juice. I've dug through pennies trying to find money to, to buy Jamba Juice. I got there to Jamba Juice the other day, and the lady was sitting there, and I reached into my backpack, and I pulled this card out, and I said, I've never used this before. I've had it all of this time. Can I use this here? And she says, really? You haven't used it yet? Because you know with this particular card, you buy one and get one free, and you can do that six times. And I thought to myself, all of this time, all of this time, I've been buying Jamba Juice, spending my money, wasting my energy, times I needed to get a Jamba Juice and could have gotten two small ones that would have made a large one, but I, you know, I just settled for one small one even though I wanted a large one. Did not know what I had at my disposal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are believers in this room. You've been serving the Lord a long time, but you're not using what God has given you. You've got to take 
what God has given you, church, and use it and pass it on to the next generation so that we can tell them God is not done yet. God wants to touch. God wants to deliver. God wants to set free. And he wants people to come and know him as Lord and Savior. Come on and give God a high praise and bless his name. Stand with me if you will. Father, we thank you and we bless you. You are good. You are faithful. Help us to teach the next generation your works, O God. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise because we are connected. In Jesus' name, amen.